I was wondering, is that the same song? And it actually, it actually was a song that not only we're very familiar with, but um, what a great message to know that someone's praying and uh, even our Savior is praying for us all the time, interceding for us to the right hand of the Father. And we're going to get into His Word this morning. If you would take your Bibles, we'll be in Mark chapter number 5, and we'll be looking at verses 1 to 20 this morning. And while we'll be going over that, uh, I'd like for us to stand, and I just want to read just the first few verses to set this, um, this wonderful account up for us. I want to read just verses 1 to 9. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 9 says this, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, He ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord stands forever. You may be seated. So one may say in our society, and maybe there are some of you that hold to this as well, that we do not need to worry about the spiritual realm anymore. We have evolved past these things. All that matters is what you see in the here and now. But we must realize that it's not just now that people have an issue with the spiritual realm. Even back in Jesus' time, the two main groups of the religious leaders, the Pharisees who believed that there was a supernatural and there, there was a resurrection, were pitted against the Sadducees who did not believe in a resurrection, who did not believe in the supernatural. And even at the founding of our country, there were some like Patrick Henry, who was a devout follower of Jesus. And then there were others that believed that God only made the world, not only he made the world and got it moving, but he didn't interfere in the affairs of men and women up until uh, at all. And many still hold to that even now. Now we're kind of in a new spot. Whereas the generation kind of before us, or a couple of generations before, they believed the truth could be found with the scientific method. You, you have a hypothesis, you gather information, and then you make your conclusions based upon all of these things, and you could find truth that way. But now some are talking about finding your truth, your truth. And one defined finding your truth is this. To live in your truth simply means to live as your most authentic self, doing things daily that bring you happiness and joy, living as true to yourself as possible. But the worldview to this is that we do not need anyone's help, not even God's, to find out who we need to be, 
to find out what our truth is. But in fact, we are always reliant upon the spiritual realm. We recognize that even those who love watching horror films, one of the reasons that we like horror films is because there is this intrigue about the supernatural. There's this intrigue even about the demonic. We are not simply called, though, to live our true selves. We know Jesus has something better for us. Jesus has actually called us to deny ourselves. He's called us to take up our cross and to follow him. Jesus knows our true self better than we know our true self. Sometimes we we believe that lordship over our lives comes from us, but no, it comes from Christ. He spent three years with a group of disciples, teaching them all about the kingdom of God, teaching them all about his lordship, and they had a front row seat to see Jesus not only be Lord over the physical realm, which is what happened on the Sea of Galilee. Peace be still. Be muzzled. And just like wiping the dew off of the window, the storm went from hurricane to calm. Now the disciples thinking they were going to get a little bit of a break. We need to go on the other side of the sea and hopefully we'll be able to have just a little bit to be able to get a breather. But as we read from this passage, as soon as Jesus stepped off the boat, there was someone that approached him. As soon as he stepped off the boat, the word immediately, which features prominently in the gospel of Mark, Mark's in a hurry, but it it moves along and while they were still thinking about all that Jesus did, because you got to remember from last week, which is more terrifying, storm outside of your boat or supernatural holy God in your boat? And to the point that the disciples were asking this question in Mark 4, 41, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, they're going to be asking this, who then is this that even the, the demonic numerous, legion, they were many, would listen to him. Jesus here is showing a couple of things. One is that only Jesus can free us from Satan's grip. No one else can do it. You can't do it. No one else can do it for you. But second, he was there to show the the disciples and to show us even in 2022 that he is Lord over spiritual in in general, but he's Lord over the demonic realm specifically. And we need to see what, how this applies to us even now. Again, number one, just said this, but let's dig in. Trying to break Satan's bond on our own is futile. Or as you used to say, growing up futile. It's futile. You can't do it. Well, if I think of my way out of it, I can. No, you can't. There is no technological, there's no medicinal, there is no political, there is no intellectual way that you can escape from the bond of Satan. And anybody that is not a follower of Christ is still under that bond. But if we've been rescued from it, Satan no longer possesses us, but he can still oppress us. He can still get us into a position to where we are anxious and worried and depressed and wondering if he is really in control. So again, here he is. There was no waste of time. It says as soon as he got out of the boat, immediately, verse 2, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And this unclean spirit led him to do unclean things. 
led him to do destructive things to the point of where he was even cutting himself. We hear stories about this all the time, even now, of people trying to do things to themselves to either harm themselves or ultimately destroy themselves. More and more we're hearing about people who are cutting. More and more the suicide rates are up. The depression rates are up. We think we're evolving as a society with those misguided steps of, uh, of, of Mr. Darwin back in the 1840s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Now that everybody seems to be in our society seems to be holding to that we're evolving. But we're not evolving. Because the more you get away from the things of the Lord... You're devolving. You're deteriorating. You're destroying yourself. You evolve by getting closer to the things of God, not moving away from it. And our society is definitely moving away from it. It says here that he lived among the tombs. He was among the land of the dying. And and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with chains, not even with shackles. He had this Herculean strength that would just break it apart Right away, no one, not himself, no one else could rescue him. We underestimate the power of Satan. In fact, every so often if we go up to someone and say, well, maybe Satan is doing something along this line to get your your thinking off or whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not that. It's all technological. It's all political. It's all medicinal. It's all this. It's all that. It can't be that. And in reality, how could you dismiss that? We underestimate the power of Satan. We underestimate him constantly. But we've got to remember what Jesus himself said. In John 10.10, the thief comes to only to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. When you follow the things of the world and the flesh and the devil, that does not bring you life. It may, you may feel like it does, but it does not. But I love what E.V. Hill said. Back in 1987, Focus on the Family put out a, 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 a E.V. Hill, the, the, the long past minister out in Los Angeles. He preached the sermon of his wife. I couldn't imagine doing that, but that's what his wife asked him to do. And there was a piece in there where it says that the devil came to steal and to kill and to destroy. It didn't say that he would do it. It said that he came to do it. And if the devil had full power, he will do it. But if the Lord is your shepherd, he can't do it. He can't touch you. But this is Satan's MO. He came only to steal and to kill and to destroy. We're seeing that in our culture now. In Ephesians 2, it talks about how Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. If you're disobeying him, you're not on God. If you're disobeying God, you're not on his side. If you're rejecting God, you're not on God's side. You're under the influence of of Satan who is the prince of the power of the air. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm not being tortured like this man. Well, keep in mind that Satan also comes as an angel of light. And in case you're wondering if I made that up, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan can come as an angel of light, and he disguises himself that way, and he looks good. That's why sin can be so enticing. It looks really, really good. 1 John 4, 1 to 3. 
Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. To disregard Satan's power, now he's not all-powerful, and to disregard Satan's might, now he's not almighty, to disregard him and to ignore him, you do so at your peril. Refusing and rejecting is not simply an intellectual choice. It is spiritual imprisonment. It is spiritual suicide. What is happening to this man is the condition that we are all in. There is no person on this side of heaven that can rescue us from the bounds that we're in. You can't rescue yourself. No one else can rescue you. But we're going to find out that there is someone who can. And his name is Jesus Christ. Then let's get to know a little bit more about this. Number two, that Jesus is Lord not just over the natural realm, but the spiritual realm as well. So Jesus, in pretty quick order, is teaching the disciples some significant lessons that are here. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me? Now, he didn't stop, stop there, did he? He says, what have you to do with me? And he names him. Jesus, the son of the most high God, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. He was already in torment. It talked a little bit earlier about night and day. He was in the mountains moaning and crying out. They could hear him from all over. But now he's crying out to Jesus saying, do not torment me. Because there's a recognition that this is the ultimate outcome of Satan and all those who work with him and for him. That one day, judgment will come. The ruler of this world, it says in John 12, 31, will be cast out. That's what's coming. But that's not, what, that's not where we are now. Where we are now is recognizing that Satan is roaming to and fro. Job chapter 1, that he's roaming to and fro on planet earth. That he is the prince of the power of the air. We have to recognize this. Not to be enslaved by it. Oh no, what's happening like the Frank Peretti, you know, this present darkness type of deal. What's going on? Is he hiding behind that pew? Is he hiding behind this? We don't, we don't operate that. We operate by faith. We've not been overcome by fear when Christ is in us. We have to understand that. But when we look at this passage of scripture, we see that Satan was Lord over this man, completely subduing him. Jesus shows up and suddenly now Satan is in the position of this man. Don't do anything to me. And as you read on, it says in verse 10, he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now there was a great herd of pigs that was feeding air on the hillside. Verse 12, and they begged him. And they asked him, send me into this. See, they weren't Lord. They're ultimately not Lord. Satan, this legion, this numerous, a legion is basically 6,000 as far as an army was concerned. It's a group of 6,000. Now, we're not saying there were 6,000 people that were here inside this man, but it was more than one, and it was overpowering him. And what do we see? 
Well, we see here that they have to ask permission to do anything. And they have to ask Jesus' permission. He's holy God. Yeah, he's there in the flesh, but he's also holy God. They honored him and recognized him as this. And the disciples were getting to see Jesus up close. So we have to recognize what, what exactly is happening here. The Gerasenes are an interesting group of people. It was a mixture of both Jew and Gentile. Not personally. There were certain ones who were Jews and there were certain ones who were Gentiles that were living there. And obviously they were pig herders. And if you know anything about Jew, Jewish um, understanding and Jewish civilization, pigs, clean or unclean? Unclean. Leviticus 11, of course, I know you would go right to Leviticus in remembering that. I, I get it. But Leviticus actually, Leviticus um, chapter 11, verses 7 to 9, reminds them that because they don't ruminate and they have the cloven hooves, that they were the one, they are unclean. And so when you have Jewish people that are herding pigs, the rest of the Jewish community would look on these, this group of people as if they were very compromising. They weren't, they weren't doing well in all of that. But we, when we see what's happening here, the Gerasenes are hurting these pigs. And there is a desire on the demon's part that if we can't stay in this man, please send us somewhere. And so it said they sent him into the pigs. And it says there that Jesus gave them permission. And so the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000. This was no small group. And this was messing with their livelihood. And it says here that they rushed down into the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The pigs didn't know what hit them. I mean, the man, the man was having a, a horrible time, but these pigs had no idea what hit them. And all of a sudden, these, these demons get up and they move as Jesus told them to do. Hits these pigs. Pigs didn't know what to do. Death would be rather, better than life. Boom. Remember, Satan came to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he'll find his prey somewhere. We have to realize that Satan is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that there's sometimes that are people on earth that are looking for someone to undermine, to undercut, to just be, be terrible to. And that's not something that is from Christ. Christ is the one who builds up. He brings life. And we have to make sure that we are leaning into that as well. So, here's the third one. Because now we're going to see how these herdsmen are reacting. Does our stuff mean more than Christ's salvation? Stuff. Yes, I know, very formal, right? But we 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 are a very materialistic society. We were talking in youth this morning, and isn't it interesting that, you know, now with Amazon and all these things online, and you can order things very quickly, and now if you have Amazon Prime, and if they don't come in two days, we throw a hissy fit. We, 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 we have, we're, we're materialists. We look at what we can see, and for us in the Western understanding of the world, the more we accumulate, the more, the better we feel. But also the worse we feel, the more we accumulate, the more stuff that we have, then it's interesting that within two or three days there's something else we're wanting that we've just got to have and something else and something else and something else. And all of a sudden now, you're about 20, some of you are like that, not everybody, but, but 20 or 30 years from now, you have all of this stuff that's packed into your garage or storage. Have you noticed how many storage units now there are all over the place because of things that people just had to have? 
And then you look back on it maybe five minutes from now, 10 minutes, a year, two years, and you look at it and you're like, why in the world did I get that? Because there's this impulse. And the impulse isn't necessarily for the spiritual. The impulse is for what we have to see, what we look at. And so we accumulate stuff and we don't want anybody messing with our stuff. And yet, when we look, what is here, the Bible tells us is temporary. It is. Some of you, you are, you know, you're in your 60s that you'll admit, you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. There was a lady at our church that, that, that turned 100 and she moved to Texas, 101, almost 102 years old. You know, okay, so 102, you're like, that's a long time. In light of eternity, is that a long time? It, not at all. It's, it's still a blip on the radar. So when we look at this and we see sometimes we can get so busy thinking about our materialism and our stuff that we so focus on that that we miss the supernatural work that's happening all around us. And, and when you get to verse 14, it says, The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. Verse 15. Now they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed, which means he was what? What's the opposite of clothed, right? So, yeah, he had no clothes, now he's clothed, and he's in his right mind. What was their reaction? Yes! Praise God! Was it, that's, is that what your Bible says? I'm concerned if it does. No, that's not what, because my Bible says, and I even had to underline this because I'm so stunned, but I also could be like, if I'm consumed about somebody messing with my stuff, even if something fantastic happened over here, if I'm consumed, consumed about somebody messing with my stuff, I would be, uh, how would I react how would I react? I don't know. We would love to think. Sometimes we look back on certain things that, and certain areas that happened in the past and we're like, well, I lived, if I lived back then, I wouldn't be like that. And you don't know if you would or not. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of that's coming up in our, are you hearing me? We, we got to be really careful about that because we might have been right in the middle of it because we're right in the middle of it now. We're not doing anything about stuff that we're seeing now. Why would we think we would be doing stuff about stuff we were seeing in the past? But I digress. Here, it says they were afraid. Now, again, what happened to the disciples when they were in the boat? They saw Jesus. Wow, Jesus, you're amazing. That's not what they did. They were scared half out of their mind. Holy God in boat, scarier than storm outside of boat. Now what we're seeing here is, demoniac, 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 crying, moaning, naked, in the tombs, couldn't be bound. Here he is in his right mind. That shows the spectrum. This is how bad off this guy was, and now he's in his right mind. This was not just a couple of little tweaks. This was a significant move. And they it was so much of a move. It was outside of their thinking. They were like, and they were, they were terrified. What is this? And who is this that's doing this? And those, verse 16, who had seen it, described to them what happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. Not the pigs. Yeah, demon-possessed man. Not the pigs. 
And then it says, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Isn't that interesting? That the demons were there begging Jesus to get away from them and not torment them. And these herds people, these materialists that were there were begging Jesus, don't mess with my stuff. If you're going to mess with my stuff, please get out of here. You say, how terrible. We do that all the time. We want our time so we may not come to church. Because time is so valuable to us. Is it more valuable than Christ? To be able to spend an hour getting around the word with each other? Sometimes we don't tithe. Is our money so much more worth than than Christ? Because we don't want to give a, a portion of all that he's given to us, even though he's given you the opportunity to work, he's given you the income, he's given you the strength, he's given you the work. And yeah, well, I don't want to give any more of that because I just don't, I might have a rainy day come up. You'll have a rainy day come up if you don't. We do this all the time where there's something in our lives and we want Jesus not to mess with it. Some of you have made the, may have read the story by Charles Sheldon called In His Steps, written way back in the 1880s, but you know, with the WWJD bracelet craze that came about, um, that came from that. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? But there's, all, there's also that where it's like there's certain things that they didn't want Jesus to mess with with their time, and, and when Jesus began to affect things, it began to change the whole town. Or uh, Robert Boyd Munger's My Heart, Christ's Home, those, that little booklet that came about. No, Jesus, don't go in this room. Don't go in this room. Jesus is Lord of all the rooms was the point and that's what's happening here and it says there that they asked him to leave we have to be careful to realize that Jesus is Lord over every room every nook and cranny of our lives every nook and cranny of our thinking all of our speech he's Lord he's Lord he's Lord spiritual physical you everything Abraham Kuyper there is not one square inch of this earth that God does not say mine You have nothing that you can hide or should hide from him. If you do, you need to be asking yourself, why would I do that? What is there something I have to be Lord over? There's one more. Here's the last one. Only Christ can set us free. Amen. Do you really believe that? All right, I'll get back to you. So don't keep it to yourself. Look at what happened with this gentleman. Verse 18. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. He wanted to join the merry band of disciples. It's an admirable wish, right? But that's not what he had for them, for him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, the ten cities, the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. You might be saying, because I used to watch all these Billy Graham, remember when you were in church and you used to watch all these Billy Graham movies? And um, my mom always had an issue with it because it's like, they, boy, those movies have to take you right into the pit of hell to get you to heaven because they, they were showing so many things that you would, normally wouldn't see in church. 
But that, that's, a, and so some of you may be thinking that you're like, well, if I had a testimony like this demoniac getting, you know, completely, listen, you have that testimony. You are that man. You can't rescue yourself. You're in sin outside of Christ. And if you're a Christian, you were in sin outside of Christ. He, he worked just as hard on you as he did on the most sinnerest of sinners. He worked on you. The, 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 when he died on the cross, that was for you. That was not just for the really bad people. That was for you too. You couldn't rescue yourself. And nobody else could rescue you either. That's why every so often when I preach my, my guts out and I have this little vein right here that pops out. You can't see it because of the glare, but you, you, this little vein that pops out. And I begin to think, Lord, what could I have done to see someone come to Christ? He has to remind me every time, that's not your job. You can't save anybody. Even as you know, there are people that you're preaching to that need it, that must have it. And are rejecting him willingly, flauntingly. I don't need him. Really? You're going to turn down the king of kings and the lord of lords that's lord over the physical and the spiritual realm? You think you can think yourself out of this? You think you can be technologically astute yourself out of this? You, You think you can? No. No. Only Christ, only Christ can save you. And do you talk about hard work, working so hard to reject him? No wonder you're miserable, dear, 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 dear one without Christ. No wonder you're so miserable. No wonder you're taking it out on everybody. No wonder you're miserable when you're laying in the bed and you're wondering what's, what's next. Even as you scream during the day, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's nothing. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, you're not. If you were to die right now without Christ, you would be in hell. But you're living right now without him, and you're getting a taste of it. You're getting a taste of what it means to not be with him and through him and in him. Those of you who are Christians, hear what Jesus is saying to this man uh, now that he's healed. Are you going and telling others about his mercy? Are you going and telling others about how he's rescued you? Do you recognize how much you are rescued from and what you've been rescued to? Do you realize what has happened? Go. Go to your friends. Go to your relatives. Go to your coworkers. Go to your neighbors. Start that conversation. This is what Christ has done for me. Come to church. Hear about his truth so that you can be fired up from Monday through Friday. Read the word and see the promises that you have access to every single second of your lives. C.S. Lewis in his screw tape letters he wrote, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall into about devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. And the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased, the the demons I should say, they themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and a a magician with both the same delight. 
Satan will do everything that he can to get your eyes off Christ. Everything. He will employ every tool in his arsenal to get your eyes off Christ. What about now? The Holy Spirit may be moving right now to get your eyes on Christ, but you're feeling that in there to get your eyes off. Really? Life, death. Life, death. Life, destruction. Life, harm. Choose life. Choose Christ. See what he has for you. Don't shun his rescuing work. Know that Christ is there. And remember this. If the Son sets you free, mm, right? You are free. Indeed, it's going to happen. But it's only through Christ. Got the goosebumps. Maybe the Spirit's working right now. Listen, if the Spirit is working right now, give in. You've been fighting long enough. And I'm talking to everybody. Christian, non-Christian, you've been fighting long enough. Come to Christ. Come and see all that he is for you. He is the only one that can rescue you from who you are and what you've done. Heavenly Father, guide us. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, I want to bow my knee now. And I pray that everyone in this room is ready to bow the knee to Jesus now. Father, we feel the eminence of your coming. We know that you are ready at a moment's notice to send your son. May we be found ready. May we be found in a position of submission and surrender to you. Because we know that the way to life is through the bread of life, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is there for us, that you send as a living water, ever refreshing, where we're never thirsting again. Father, I know that it's not by the amount of words or the type of words that are being said that can save anyone, but it's only by your saving work. And there are some here that may need to be saved and rescued from their brokenness this morning. Let this be the morning. Father, if there's anyone here that needs to use these steps as an altar of prayer, may we use them because of your son has opened up heaven for us to be able to get your ear. Let's use them. If there's anyone that needs prayer now, may and, and they want to grab someone and have them pray right there in the pew, whatever it is. Lord, whatever you're calling us to do, may we not leave this place until we we surrender and help us Lord to be aware that there is a fight going on that coming to church and preaching your word is an, is an act and a declaration of war there is a spiritual warfare that is going on in the heavenlies your word has said it and we are the prey of Satan but thank you Jesus that you came to give us life and life more abundantly Thank you for your rescuing work. We pray this in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Some of you, do you, some of you just need to get saved this morning. You need to come to Christ, and you need to do it now. I'm still talking. Don't wait for me to get done talking. This is a serious matter of eternal import and eternal consequences. Some of you need to come to Christ now.
Some of you, you're a follower of Jesus, but you may have found yourself drifting, and you need to repent because God is working and moving in. You praise God. He hasn't left us by ourselves. Let this be the moment that we rededicate ourselves to our Lord Jesus Christ. How great he is. Let's stand and sing about the greatness of our God. How great thou art. Mm.